Welcome to episode one of the M. Kane podcast. My name is Marcus Kane, and my job is to help people who feel like they've fallen through the cracks of mainstream diet and fitness advice. Now, the health and fitness industry has become a bit of a platform for misleading information. And although the gym has been a big part of my life for over 20 years, and the positive effects of exercise have been well documented, there's definitely a dark side to fitness culture and dieting, and I've been there myself. For over a decade, I struggled with eating disorders and a destructively obsessive attitude towards training and exercise. I found it pretty much impossible to find a balance that I felt had me on the path to the goals that I was shooting for, but not actually burning myself out at the same time. Now, mainstream diet and fitness advice often overlooks things like the effect prolonged or intermittent anxiety has on the effectiveness of intense exercise. People with a history of things like disordered eating or complex post-traumatic stress disorder often don't get access to the kind of guidance that would allow them to have a constructive and fulfilling dynamic with food and training. Essentially, too much of the industry is dominated by trainers and coaches who are of course hardworking, but at the same time are genetically gifted or willing to use performance enhancing drugs. So over the last 20 years, too many times I found myself trying to follow advice from an industry leader who I actually had nothing in common with. And this is one of the reasons I created this podcast. This is the information and these are the conversations about food, training and body image that could have changed my life in incredible ways if I'd heard them 15 years ago. So many times during my first 15 years of training and dieting, I found myself thinking, why is it so hard to get my diet right? And almost daily I'd look in the mirror and think, how much harder do I need to work in order to look the way I want? I spent a lot of time being extremely self-critical and feeling terrible about my appearance, but I didn't want to talk about it because the subject of body image among men is something that we still keep pretty quiet about. And although information is available if you go looking for it, it's still not part of what we might call mainstream conversation. The truth is our measuring stick for what anyone who's in good shape should look like has been so heavily influenced by Hollywood and the fitness industry that people are actually dying in their attempts to live up to that ideal. Now, when I was struggling with bulimia, I didn't realize that one in three people with eating disorders are male. And according to a paper written by leading researcher Arnold Anderson, the proportion of men struggling with anorexia or bulimia might be as high as one in six. Steroid use among male and female fitness professionals, models, and gym goers is at an unprecedented high. And if you want to know what that looks like, just have a scroll through TikTok or Instagram. Because we're seeing physiques on high school kids that rarely showed up in the Olympics 50 years ago. Like people not much older than 16 or 18 are doing their first cycle of anabolic steroids within months of joining their local gym with the impression that looking lean and muscular is somehow the road to happiness and fulfillment. And it's a lie. In my late 20s, after training without drugs for over a decade, I experimented with performance enhancing drugs and it made no difference to the quality of my life. 
The reality of performance enhancing drugs for me was just getting a few more pats on the back from my friends at the gym and needing to buy new clothes while wondering whether or not I was going to be one of the unlucky ones who ended up with some serious side effects. Now, granted, some people make a career out of steroid use and seem to be okay, but on the flip side, Professor Harrison G. Pope in his 2000 book, The Adonis Complex, estimated that steroid-induced aggression or violence, steroid withdrawal, depression or suicide, and severe steroid dependence have likely affected over 100,000 people in the United States alone. And that was 20 years ago, before the rise of the Instagram fitness influencer. But I don't believe steroids are the real problem. If someone wants to use performance enhancing drugs, that's their business. But for every documented case of eating disorders or steroid abuse in men and women who've gone far enough to require medical attention, there are God knows how many people out there who are experiencing daily refrigerator noise level misery or anxiety or both because they feel like they don't measure up to some kind of benchmark pertaining to their appearance. So why are so many people experiencing so much frustration, anxiety, and even pain when it comes to the world of diets, exercise, and body image? It's largely because when we buy into the world of diets and fitness, we usually do it because we're sold a result, right? We buy what we want to become, or more accurately, we buy the roadmap to getting there. That might be a diet, an exercise program, some kind of advice or guidance. But more often than not, these roadmaps are incomplete and oversimplified in the name of being more marketable. So you're not being told the whole story. A bunch of famous names will be slapped on fitness magazine covers, apps, and workout programs with the promise that all the answers you seek and the pathway to the body of your dreams can be found in a handful of basic training and nutrition tips. And it's a lie. These incomplete roadmaps and a lack of transparency surrounding the use of performance enhancing drugs, coupled with an endless supply of marketable misleading lies about diets, is almost solely responsible for hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people sacrificing their happiness, their careers, their relationships in the pursuit of an ideal they're not being told the whole truth about. And since for men, experiencing struggles with food or body image is labeled as feminine, guys feel like we need to keep what we're experiencing a secret and just throw it on a pile with all the other stuff that we're apparently not meant to talk about. Now, thankfully, there are a few people out there who do advocate transparency when it comes to the use of anabolic steroids and TRT, and a huge high five for them. But we still have a long way to go since there are so many people out there lying through their teeth in the name of profit and glory. Now, in the past, I've struggled with bulimia and body dysmorphia, but to be honest, when those things were happening, it just felt like a normal part of the fitness journey. And it's not normal. It's a disorder. And something that really got to me was that no matter how hard I worked, no matter how strict my diet became, I didn't seem to come close to achieving the results I was seeing in other people's transformations. I went through stages, especially in the early years when this got really bad. For a time when I was about 16, my school lunches consisted of black coffee and a specific number of raw almonds, all in the name of having visible abs, because I was under the impression that's what it took. 
Now, some of the people who were concerned about the amount of weight I was losing at the time gave me books by well-renowned bodybuilders and fitness models trying to show me that those guys ate more than I did. And although that led me to putting some of that weight back on, I still held on to patterns of disordered eating from those books and from the things I learned from following fitness models that sabotaged my enjoyment of day-to-day life for almost 15 years. The idea of missing a workout gave me anxiety. When I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to travel overseas for work for the first time in my early 20s, all I could think about was what food was going to be available on the plane. I was hungry almost all the time. I would experience episodes of uncontrollable eating, uncontrollable binge eating. The image that I had of myself was absolutely terrible. I constantly thought that I was ugly and worthless. And the decisions that I made during those years of my life really did reflect those beliefs. And even after many years of struggling, in my late 20s, when I'd finally learned enough hard lessons and those beliefs started to change, I was still stuck with experiencing what felt like uncontrollable weekly binge eating episodes. It was all but impossible for me to get through a weekend without an episode of binge eating. Sometimes it would happen multiple times. And this was largely because my brain had been given a crash course in disordered eating by the commercial diet and fitness industry. And what other people would clearly classify as an eating disorder, I had called normal for so long that that software was just installed in my brain. And after years of this, I found myself unable to break those patterns, even when I did recognize that I wasn't happy and that I had a problem. But, of course... All that said, clearly I'm here now, having found a process to break that dysfunctional system. Otherwise, why would I be creating this podcast and why would we be talking about this? Now, I'm not sure when exactly it happened, but a moment of clarity came to me one day when I realized that I'd been following advice from bodybuilders and fitness models for over 10 years and I still wasn't where I wanted to be. So what really happens for someone to make the shift from being stuck in a miserable dynamic with food, exercise, and body image to having an easy relationship with food and being on track to their goals. Now, there's one fundamental principle that will begin to set you up for success with making a shift like that, and that is a willingness to let go. Now, that doesn't mean we need to let go of all our goals and remove ourselves from the gym, but we need to be willing to let go of some of our old methods and philosophies and challenge the way we think about food and training. So many times, people have come to me for help and walked into one of my programs unwilling to let go of things that are poisoning their overall progress. So we need to be willing to let go so we can rebuild more effectively. And something that has proved to be an absolutely invaluable asset to myself and my clients when it comes to finding an optimal balance for food, training, recovery, work, play, and anything else in our lives is to change the way we think of ourselves as one person. Now, this might sound strange, but it's a very helpful way to look at things and it's about to make a lot of sense. So we often think of ourselves as one person. But for what I'm about to tell you, it's more useful to think of yourself as three separate things working together, a higher human brain, a lower animal brain, and a body. 
So our higher human brain, the human part of our mind, where we do all our conscious thinking and reasoning, that's one area. Our voluntary movement is controlled by this part of the brain. Our lower brain is like our animal brain. This is like the link between our body and our human brain, and it deals with emotion, memory, and involuntary processes like hormone regulation and digestion. It's essentially our subconscious. And of course, then there's our body, which of course facilitates everything that we do and allows us to move around and sense feedback from our environment. Now, it's an interesting relationship between these three. The body and the animal brain are happy to let the human brain stay in charge as long as it consistently makes decisions that take care of all three of them. So when things are going well, our body feels good, our animal brain stays calm, and everyone is happy. But if the human brain decides it wants something that's going to be a little bit challenging, the body and the animal brain will play along as long as they're given what they need in order to do the job. For example, if we wanted to lose some weight, a small calorie deficit and a moderate intensity training program will be just fine if our stress levels are managed and we get enough sleep. But we might decide that we want to lose one kilo of body fat every week for five weeks while increasing our deadlift strength and improving our cardiovascular fitness. And we might say that in order to do this, we're going to do it on a zero carb diet while also doing intermittent fasting. Now, our higher brain might rush into getting all excited about the potential results, but two weeks into that process, our body is going to say to the lower brain, what the fuck is going on up there? Now, the lower brain will then begin communicating that message to the higher brain through feelings and urges. And unless the higher brain listens to that message and takes action to make changes, the lower brain will start taking matters into its own hands. Now, because the lower brain doesn't have control over our voluntary movement, it can't just take control over one of our arms and pick up a donut. But it is the emotional center of the brain, and it does regulate our hormones. So what it can do is throw a massive tantrum and begin making us experience incredible urges to binge eat as well as experiencing things like mood swings. Now, this relationship is really similar to the one many of us have at work. If the boss does a good job, everyone's relatively happy and the business profits. But if the boss doesn't pay enough and pushes too hard, shit starts going wrong. Fundamentally, it's all about smart leadership and communication, thinking of your conscious higher brain as the leader and thinking of your lower brain and your body like partners who've trusted the higher brain to make good decisions. So with that in mind, think about what you want. You've got goals and responsibilities, right? Those goals and responsibilities, that's your higher brain talking. Now, what does your animal brain or your lower brain and your body want? They want food, sleep, fun, low stress levels, moderate exercise, and time off. So ask yourself, how can you, the higher brain, be a good leader in that situation? Because if you push too hard towards your goals without taking care of your partners, they're going to dig their heels in and screw it up for you and not actually facilitate the results that you want. So if you're finding yourself struggling in a particular area, what are you asking of yourself? 
What are you expecting of your body? Underfeeding your body from a calorie perspective or nutrient perspective while asking it to meet our expectations is like an employer paying less than minimum wage and expecting world-class employees to show up at work every day. So if we can internalize this perspective, we can get our body working with us to achieve almost anything. And over the next couple of episodes, I'm going to be expanding on this. So between now and episode two, check in with what you're asking of yourself. What are you giving yourself versus what are you expecting of yourself? If your lower brain and body were asked as employees to give feedback about your style of leadership, what would they say? And as a leader, what are you giving them? Are you giving them what they need in order to get the job done? Nailing these principles is the first step to reaching your goals and being happy and sane when you get there. So let this bounce around in your mind and in episode two, we'll talk about the science behind a mindset perspective that put an end to binge eating for myself and my clients and one day actually saved me from humiliating myself in front of about 15,000 people. So if you have any questions or would like to reach out, come and find me on Instagram at mkanecoaching. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do me a huge favor and leave a review as it helps this information reach more people. So thank you for listening and we'll chat again soon.